Well, hey, Grace Chapel, good to be with you all today, wherever you might be. We're glad you can join us. We are just two weeks away from the grand opening of our Grace Chapel Foxborough campus. So we want to take a moment to mark that occasion and pray for that congregation as they get started. So I've got Richard Rose with me. Richard is our pastor of campus development. So Richard, tell us how things are going down there in Foxborough. Foxborough, let's see. The Patriots are doing great, Brian. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Brian, the Patriots are doing great. <laughs> How those giants? Okay, moving on. Now, I know what you, you, you mean, Grace Chapel. How we do? Foxborough. You know what? Uh, it, it is amazing to watch God work uh, there down in Foxborough. I've been keeping a list of miracles, things that God's just doing that is just extraordinary. And uh, it's a long list. And uh, people have just been responsive. Many people have been responsive. And, and lots of people we're finding just have drifted away from for church, from church. And we're having like 160 people come, wow. and we haven't even opened yet, <laughs> uh, which is really amazing. Yeah. God has brought five really terrific staff. Uh, we have spent hundreds and hundreds of hours uh, painting the entire building. So it's amazing to see God at work. Uh, one one, one yeah, quick once, story. Okay. Uh, in the lobby, right after we announced that we were going to be launching a campus in Foxborough, I met uh, a couple out in the lobby, and they said, we want to be the first ones to sign up. And I, I looked at them, and I thought, wow, you know, this is a really high-capacity leader couple. They do so many things around here in Lexington. Uh, all of their networks are here. So I was kind of curious. What motivates you to want to do this? Mm -hmm. And they said, we have a family member that lives down in the Foxborough area. And he gave up on church many, many years ago and for lots and lots of years has not been a part of church and if there's one slight chance that he might come one Sunday, we would like to be all in. Wow. And I was very inspired by that. And wouldn't you know it, about the third week, this family member came in and had a great experience. Mm, and now he has joined the welcome team. <laughs> <laughs> So if you're listening, Wayne, thank you for greeting. Uh, it has been a great, great opportunity to see God at work. Well, thank you for that little snapshot, Richard. We are really excited about everything that's happening there in Foxborough. So uh, we want to pray for that campus, and we want you folks to know that we're standing with you uh, in the weeks to come as you get ready for your grand opening. So I'm going to literally ask all of us to stand everywhere across all our campuses and venues. You can see the Foxborough folks there on the screen, and we're going to pray together uh, for the launch of this campus. Let's pray. Lord, only you could have brought us to this moment. Thank you, Lord, for the vision and the courage of the Foxborough Bible Church group as they made their facilities, their campus available to you. Thank you for bringing Pastor Tom and Amy to us, for the, the team you've assembled there of staff and lay leaders, for the core group that have been serving and worshiping and working so hard these many months. Thank you, Lord, for the generosity of the Grace Chapel congregation, folks who have given and prayed and encouraged Lord, we pray, we pray not for the success of the church. We pray, Lord, for the many people we hope to reach with your love and truth in the days to come. Lord, we pray for friends and neighbors and coworkers who even now are receiving invitations to come and join and see. Pray that you'd soften and open their hearts to say yes. 
pray, Lord, for folks who are driving by and seeing the sign and that they might be curious about all the activity there and come check it out. Lord, we pray for believers who are floundering, who don't have a church home, that they might find their way back to you and back to your people. And Lord, we pray for the other churches in that area, for all the churches across greater Boston, that together we might see a great movement of your spirit in our region. So Lord, we thank you for inviting us into this great, great work for all that's been done and all that's yet to happen. We commit ourselves to it and we invite your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, can we send them off with just the words of affirmation? Thank you. And you can take a seat. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but I'm just a little bit jealous of the folks down in Foxborough. I mean, how exciting is that to be part of the launch of a new church? I mean, you talk to anybody who's involved down there and their eyes light up with enthusiasm. When you're part of something like that, it, it brings this sense of, of urgency to everything you do, every, every person you meet, every spare moment that you have, every skill or talent or resource that you have to offer. It makes every day feel like an adventure. So I looked up that word in the dictionary. Adventure, an unusual, exciting, typically hazardous experience, activity, or trip. The exploration of unknown territory. So let me get right to the point. Do those words describe your life? Unusual, exciting, hazardous. Does it feel like you're exploring new territory? Or would your life be better described as usual? Boring, safe, and way too predictable. A survey was taken recently of workers all across America, all ages, all occupations, and they were asked a simple yes-no question. Does your work excite you? Nearly 50% said no. How about you? Does your work excite you, whatever it might happen to be? A survey was taken in the UK last year. Turns out that two-thirds of millennials in the UK describe themselves as bored with life. Millennials, access perhaps to more information, more experience, more relationships than any generation in history. But I guess, my guess is it's not just them. There are probably a lot of folks who might say bored with life. How about you? What if every day could feel like an adventure? What if you could be excited about your work, whatever it is? What if your eyes lit up every time someone asked you, how's it going? What if life was an adventure? Now, I don't want to suggest for even a minute that, that our lives are easy, that we're all sitting around twiddling our thumbs with not much to do. I know that life is challenging. I know that our calendars are full. And I know that some of us, are going through some really difficult situations, demanding and even painful ones. That for some of you, usual and predictable sounds really nice right about now. So I don't want to just brush past 
some of that pain and hardship that some might be experiencing it. But I do believe that our lives are meant to be filled with meaning and purpose and even adventure. And I do believe that life becomes exciting when we live every day in relationship with God. And so that's what we're talking about this year, being and going with Jesus. That's our theme for the year. And so we're, this fall, we're following Jesus and the 12 disciples as he invites them and invites us to follow him and to join him in his saving, healing, restoring work in this world. So if the first, these first few weeks, we have been in what we might think of as the preparation phase of the mission. So far, we've learned that we're invited to grow as we go. We're invited to be good news before we speak good news. And we're invited to practice the presence of God in the quiet, secret places of our lives. So three weeks of preparation, but now it's time to hit the road. It's time to get out into the world. And so we're going to catch up with Jesus and the 12 as he kicks them out of the nest, so to speak, sends them off on their very first mission. So we'll be working out of Matthew chapter 10. And as we kind of walk through this passage, we'll be discovering some principles, some simple steps to making every day an adventure. Okay, let's jump in Matthew chapter 10. The first principle is to answer the call. Okay. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now, I met these, we, we met these 12 before, back in week one, when Jesus first called them out of this great crowd to come and be his followers. But I wanted to read their names again, because I don't want to remind us of two things. First of all, these are ordinary guys. We know that they are flawed people. We know the rest of the story. Every one of them is going to mess up more than once. These are flawed characters. The second thing I want to remind us of is that none of them are religious professionals. There's not a priest or a prophet or a temple musician or a clergy or a rabbi or a pastor or anybody in the mix here. Jesus is making it very clear right from the beginning that this is going to be a grassroots movement of ordinary people moving out into their everyday world. This is Jesus' core group. This is his launch team. And there's not a religious professional among them. So as happy as we are to have Pastor Tom, his wife Amy there in Foxborough, and the folks you got on staff with you there, Rita and Rodney and uh, Diana and who am I missing? Blair, glad to have you all there. Brand new team. The future of that campus does not depend on that staff team. The fruitfulness of that campus will be the 100 plus of you as you head out every day on mission to your schools and neighborhoods and workplaces to be about his work in this world. And the same thing is true across all of our campuses. It's a grassroots movement. So that's the divine invitation we're talking about this fall. And we're trying to capture it by this image of hands joining each other, not just in friendship, but in partnership. 
Not just being with Jesus, but going with Jesus and doing with Jesus. So as we get started, I want you to understand that Jesus has called you. Jesus knows your name. He knows your flaws. He knows your strengths. He knows where you live and what you do. And he's called you. It makes a difference, doesn't it, at work, when you discover that your boss asks specifically for you to be on his or her team for this new project? I mean, it makes you want to elevate your game. It makes you want to do your very best to bring whatever you have to the effort. Well, Jesus has invited you to be part of his team, his core group, his launch team for the work that he's doing here in greater Boston and around the world. So we'll talk more about calling in the, in the weeks to come and how our work and our call go together. But understand now, the whole adventure begins when you answer the call of Jesus. And if you haven't answered that call yet, if you're still exploring what Jesus and his life and gospel are all about, then I encourage you to take the Alpha course. It's getting started on most of our campuses in the next couple of weeks. A second way to turn every day into an adventure is to find your go. Now, I know we've been using that expression for a while, tossing it around here, but uh, we've never really stopped to define it. So let's take a moment to explain it. Uh, let's jump in at Matthew 10, verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, at first, these instructions, they kind of rub us the wrong way. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans. Sounds kind of narrow, doesn't it? Kind of exclusive. Doesn't Jesus care about Samaritans and Gentiles? Well, we know that he does. In fact, we know from the Gospel of Matthew that he already has made a point of going into Samaritan territory and ministering to Gentile people. So he's all about that. The thing is, the disciples aren't to be about that yet. That is not their mission right now. And there are some reasons for that. First of all, God's plan from the beginning has been to restore the world through the nation of Israel, to work through his people, the Jews, to bring good news to the whole world. So that's the plan, and it's being reenacted here. The second thing going on here is that the disciples' hearts are not yet ready to reach out to Gentiles and Samaritans because they don't fully get it yet. And we know that from later on. They don't understand God's heart for the whole world. So they're not quite ready to go out there for the whole world. Right now, Jesus wants them focused. Their mission is to go to the people in their own backyard, the people they know best and rub shoulders with every day, the folks who live in and around Galilee. So with that in mind, let's come back to find your go. And this is how I'm defining that. Your go is your unique contribution to God's work in the world for this season of your life. Now let's look at those phrases for a minute. Your, your go begins with your unique contribution. There is something that you are uniquely called, gifted, and prepared to do in God's work in this world. It's, a, it's part of your life experience, your professional skills, your educational background, the, the, the area in which you live, the the discontent you have with things that are wrong in the world, your spiritual gifting, 
All these things together shape your particular call, your particular go in this world. And it's going to be different for every one of us. It doesn't mean that other things that are happening and other people don't matter. It doesn't mean God's not doing other things in other places among other people. It just means you don't have to do them all. It's very liberating. You don't have to feel guilty or driven. You just have to be called to what you in particular are called to do. Secondly, your, your unique contribution to God's work in the world. What we mean by that is your go, generally speaking, is beyond the walls of the church. It's out there in the wider world. Now, for sure, the service you bring to the church, whether it's Kids Town or student ministry or cafe or a welcome or worship, whatever it is, certainly that's part of God's work in this world. But we know how easy it is to get so preoccupied with service in the church, we lose sight of the, the rest of the world. And we know that, that most of the people we want to know and love and reach are not going to find their way to church on their own. So Jesus says, go, get out there and rub shoulders with them. So generally your go is something beyond the walls of the church. And then thirdly, for this season of your life. What we mean is that God might call you to different things at different times of your life. Your location might change. Your life circumstances might change. God might put some new passion or burden on your heart. And once again, that's very liberating because you don't have to do everything. You don't have to feel guilty about what you're not doing. You're just called to something in particular at a particular season of your life. So we'll talk more about how to find your go if you haven't discovered it yet. But a great way to begin that journey is to take the go course, which again is starting up on most of our campuses uh, this week. A third way to make every day an adventure is to bring good news. Verse 7. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Now we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, so we don't need to spend too much time on it, but I didn't want to miss it because I don't want us to forget. We are called to be good news people. People should be happy to see us coming, to be living in our neighborhood to have us on their team at work or on the athletic field somewhere. Because we live in a bad news world right now, don't we? Aren't you afraid to check your news feed in the morning or turn on the TV? What new disaster has happened somewhere in the world? What's the latest political issue that's going to divide our country? What new health scare or data breach or terror alert causes us to be fearful of the future? It's a bad news world. And so we have the joy and privilege of bringing good news. The coming of the kingdom is good news because the kingdom is about peace and justice and mercy and compassion and love and healing and hope. It's good news. It was good news to oppressed Jews in first century Palestine. And it's good news to greater Bostonians in 2017. It's good news, and we get to bring it. Now, next week, we'll talk about exactly what that good news is. What is the gospel? When someone says to you, by the way, what are your beliefs? What are you going to say? So we'll do that next week. 
But a quick reminder that before we speak good news, we want to be good news. So notice what Jesus sends the disciples out to do here. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, drive out demons. Now, the interesting thing is that if you back up into Matthew chapter 9, you find these very same words used to describe what Jesus has been doing. Proclaiming, preaching the kingdom, healing the sick, casting out demons. So Jesus is saying to his disciples and to us, do what I've been doing. Do what I would do if I lived in your neighborhood. Do what I would do if I went to your school. Do what I would do if I worked in your office or your company. Do what I would do. Love people. Serve people. Help people. What I found interesting here is that Jesus doesn't really tell them how to do these things. So I'm kind of imagine one of the disciples, maybe Thomas, kind of sticking up his hand in the back and going, uh, Jesus, the, that raising the dead thing, how exactly does one go about that? Is there a YouTube video that I can watch? No instructions. I think Jesus wanted them to figure it out. I mean, he'd seen them do it plenty of times. I think he wanted them just to get out there and take a run at it. Try to figure it out. Just step into the mess and give God a chance. And that's what you do on an adventure, right? You figure it out as you go. There's no way you can be prepared for everything. You can't predict every eventuality when you're on an adventure. I mean, that's half the fun. You take what's thrown at you, you deal with it, you get stronger, and you continue on your way. And that's how Jesus began this whole thing. As you go, as you go to work, as you drive the carpool, as you play, play ball, as you take a vacation, whatever you do, as you go, just jump into the mess. Figure it out. Fourth way to make every day an adventure is to travel light, trusting God. Travel light, trusting God. Verse 9. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Don't bring a lot of stuff, Jesus says. Travel light. Now, what's going on with all of this? I mean, what's wrong with stuffing some cash in your pocket or bringing an extra pair of underwear or two? I mean, it seems reasonable. I think Jesus wants them to trust him. To learn to trust him to provide what they need in the moment. And he wants us to, to learn the same thing. He's not sending us out like, like an invading army, armed to the teeth with weapons and supplies. He's not sending us out like some traveling sales force with bags of products to push on people. He's... He's sending us out as ourselves, armed with nothing but faith, offering nothing but love. What a way to live. I read a story the other day about a guy from Canada who had something of a midlife crisis at age 45. He was troubled by what was happening around the world and by his own inability to make a difference. So he decided to take a walk around the world. He set out from Montreal with a small cart in the summer of 2000. He arrived back in Canada 11 years later. He'd walked 47,000 miles through 64 countries on six continents, 
He slept in parks and churches and shelters and jails and in the homes of thousands of strangers who actually became friends along the way. And everywhere he went, he just brought this simple message of peace. Now, that's an adventure. That's traveling light. Look at this guy. He's having the time of his life out there. And that's how Jesus sends us out into the world, into the neighborhood, off to school, to our jobs. Travel light, he says. Just jump in there. Step into the mess. See what we can do. We'll figure it out as we go. You don't have to have an answer to every question. You don't have a solution to every problem. You don't even have to know what the, the next step of the plan is. Just get out there, and we'll figure it out as we go. Fifth way to make every day an adventure is to engage people, not arguments. Okay? Verse 11. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Jesus tells his disciples to look for worthy people. And the idea seems to be receptive people. Open people. Interesting people. Look for worthy people and then hang out with them. Spend time with them. Greet them. Share words of peace and welcome with them. What I find interesting about this is that Jesus wants his disciples, he wants us to be the vulnerable ones. We're the needy ones. Let others receive you, he says. Now, there's something liberating about that. We don't always have to be the strong ones. We don't have to know the answer to every question. We don't have to, how to, have to solve every problem. Sometimes the, the best way to keep a conversation going is to say, I don't really know. Sometimes the best way to build a friendship is to let someone else help you. Sometimes the best way to open someone's heart to God is to share your struggle with them rather than just your victory. We don't have to be the answer people all the time. It's a great way to go through life. We're not forcing ourselves on people. We're not trying to manipulate them into awkward conversations. It's just going through life, looking for receptive people, and then engaging them. I made a quick run to the grocery store just this past week, just picking up a few odds and ends. I recognized one of the guys working there. I've seen him there. He's been there for years, and I've been shopping there for years, so we kind of know each other. In fact, I've often kind of quietly admired the, the skill, the passion that he brings to his work. He really cares about what he does. Well, on this particular day, we kind of exchanged greetings, as we often have done before, and the thought crossed my mind to just try to maybe engage him in a little more meaningful conversation. It almost looked as though he was waiting for me to do that. But I was in a rush, and there were a few other people around, and I really couldn't think of anything to say anyway, and I didn't want to make him feel uncomfortable. Maybe I didn't want to feel uncomfortable. And so in the end, I talked myself out of it. I took my sliced ham and turkey and went on my way. And I missed a moment. I missed what might have been a meaningful conversation. 
or just a friendly, affirming encounter. Maybe the beginning of something. I missed a little adventure there, and it became just another boring trip to the grocery store. Engage people, Jesus says. As you go, search for people. Stay with them and let your peace rest on them. What a way to live. Friends, will you pray for me and I'll pray for you that we not miss opportunities like this that come every day? And the wonderful thing is that Jesus says if they don't welcome you, if they aren't receptive, don't try to force yourself on them. Don't get into an argument. You don't have to win, he says. Just move on. That expression, shake the dust off your feet, it's just a symbolic way of saying, um, I, it's not my responsibility. I, I leave you in God's hands. Now, that may sound rather cold, but it's actually quite gracious and quite liberating because it means we respect people's freedom not to engage if they don't want to. They don't have to. And it means we don't have to feel guilty for failing or falling short. It's not our responsibility to save people. And it is certainly not our responsibility to condemn people. It's only our responsibility to engage people and see where the Spirit takes us. And that leads to the final way to make every day an adventure. You'll notice I didn't tell you how many I had at the beginning because I might have lost you, okay? But here's the last one. Listen for the Spirit. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. An adventure can be hazardous. And it was going to be for these 12. They'd be in trouble with the law, with their own people. They would be imprisoned. They would be tried. And some of them would be killed. And it is just as hazardous for many of our brothers and sisters around the world. So I do not want to equate our risks with their risks. But there are some risks for us. There are risks of being misunderstood. What if I offend somebody? What if they ask a question that I don't know how to answer? What if I get into a situation that's over my head? But Jesus promises us the same thing he promised them, that the Spirit would be with them. The Spirit will tell us what to say. The Spirit will tell us what to do. Now, we haven't talked too much yet about the Holy Spirit. And some of you have reminded me of that. In fact, some of you have challenged me on that. When are you going to talk about the Spirit? We can't do any of this stuff without the Spirit. And you know what? You're right. You're right. So I went back and looked, and I was surprised to discover that Jesus hasn't talked about the Spirit yet either. We're all the way in Matthew chapter 10. This is the first time he tells his disciples about the work of the Spirit. I think they needed some time on the road. I think they needed to get out there and make a mess of things and recognize their own weaknesses and realize that they needed divine help. They weren't quite ready yet 
to fully understand and receive the work of the Spirit. Most of Jesus' teaching on the Spirit comes at the end of his ministry, right before he leaves. As I thought about all that, as I thought about my own experience and experience of many believers, I think it works that way for a lot of us. Most of us don't fully experience the work of the Spirit until sometime after we come to faith, after we've stumbled and fallen and tried to do it in our own strength. Then we understand we need the Spirit. Because the truth is we can't do any of this in our own strength. Have you ever tried to grit your teeth and be nice to someone? It doesn't work very well. It's got to come from within. The one thing I didn't do in that grocery store was to ask for the Spirit's help. A simple prayer. Lord, what would you have me say to this young man? It might have changed the whole thing. So we'll be talking more about the Spirit as the year unfolds, but understand today that the Spirit is central to everything that we've been talking about here in this adventure. It's the Spirit who enables us to hear and answer the call of Christ. It's the Spirit who helps us find our go. It's the Spirit who forms us into good news people. It's the Spirit who directs us as we go. The Spirit who opens our eyes to receptive people. The Spirit who tells us what to say and when to say it and how to say it. It's the Spirit that turns everyday life into an adventure. And so that's this week's divine invitation. We are invited to the adventure of living by the Spirit. The adventure of living by the Spirit. And this is an exciting way to live. Well, when you live like this, every trip to the grocery store, every play date with your kids, every assignment at work, every encounter in the neighborhood, every stranger that you meet, every injustice that stirs your heart, every crazy missional idea that comes into your head, it has kingdom possibilities. It has eternal significance. We don't have to have it all figured out. That's the Spirit's job. All we have to do is walk out the door, open our eyes, and mix it up with whoever the Lord brings across our path, and the Spirit will take it from there. A quick story, and we'll be done. got an email this week from a woman on the Foxborough campus, actually, and she gave me permission to share a little bit of this story. She writes, I was off for the day, hanging out with my daughter, and my friend came over to spend the afternoon. We used to work together, and I've always had a great relationship. She's a wonderful person, open-minded, loving, and incredibly smart. She's also someone the church could easily overlook or dismiss. So on Monday, we were chatting about her plans to go teach English in another part of the world. She shared that she felt she needed to go somewhere new to challenge her assumptions and biases. I told her she was brave. She then said she was on a sort of spiritual journey. I said, you know I'd never push anything on you, but you're always welcome to ask me what I believe. And without missing a beat, she said, what are your beliefs? Next thing I knew, we were talking about Jesus and what it means to follow him. I got to share some of my journey and send her off with some books to read. I believe God gave me just the right words to share with this friend who could so easily be hurt or turned off by many churches. Our conversation was full of love, eagerness, and shared excitement over how beautiful faith is. I am blown away that someone like me could be used by God. Friends, that's how an ordinary play date 
becomes an adventure in faith and mission. That's how an ordinary person is used to do God's work in this world. Friends, we don't need to be jealous of the folks in Foxborough. We are all invited into this adventure. The adventure of following Jesus. The adventure of bringing good news. The adventure of building his church. The adventure of living by the Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss anything the Lord might bring my way this week. Let's pray expectantly, believing that he is sending us out, as he sent the 12 out, to be good news. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for this incredible opportunity. We've heard it before. We're familiar with these words. But pray, Lord, that you might grip our hearts with the wonderful privilege and opportunity we have to do something great with our lives, with our work, with our play, with our relationships, with our time and money and energy and love. Thank you, Lord, for the richness you have brought into each of our lives. And pray that you might fill us with faith and courage and vision to want to share it freely with others. Freely we've received, Lord. May we just as freely give. We're grateful now, Lord, that we have a few minutes to linger in your presence around the communion table because we know that our going with you begins with our being with you. So thank you for the gift of a few quiet moments and for these tangible reminders of your love and your presence and your power. In Jesus' name, amen.